Oxford, in summertime, was a city under siege. They came from across the oceans, from Norway and Brazil, India and Japan. Civilizations old and new alike, descending on the dreaming spires and neat lush quads as a single invading army, sounding their battle cry in the chatters of foreign tongues, faces painted with warlike stripes of sunscreen zinc, uniting to traipse the well-worn trail from the peaceful floral walkways of the botanic garden to the vast soaring dining hall at Christ Church College, divisions of race and nationality blurred beneath the Union Jack baseball caps and souvenir sweatshirts. They clustered along the cobblestones of Corn Market Street, consulting phrase books and fold-out maps, and squeezed through iron gates for a better shot of statues and sweeping sandstone walls. Shops along High Street carried a brisk trade in miniature flags, figurines, and long looping scarves knitted in the muted rainbow of official college colors, mulberry and dark navy, mustard seed, and hunter green. Cream teas were served in old-fashioned tea rooms, dainty china clinking against gold-ringed saucers, and the river was gridlocked with punts, the long low barges steered by students through the mossy waters as their passengers sipped pims from cups floating with cucumber slices and nibbled sweet summer strawberries bought by the punnet from the fruit stands on the bridge. From early May to the end of August, the ancient streets were clogged, dusty and littered, or, more often, drenched with cold summer showers that sent the crowds scrambling into doorways and under shop awnings. Maps held aloft to shelter them from the sudden downpours. Then, as September dawned, the great quads were suddenly quiet again. The crowds departed, and the city took a breath. The air took on a new, autumnal chill, and dewy mists hung over the Port Meadow fields each morning as the church bells rang out their baritone dawn chorus. It was only a week or two, this gentle lull, for the shop girls to slump idle behind their registers and the college groundsmen to set about pruning the rose bushes and mowing the neat strips of lawn. Too soon, the next set of visitors arrived. These weren't quite so temporary. They came bearing crisp new textbooks and fat induction packets, shined shoes, and wide eyes, weighed down as much by their own hopeful expectations as the brand new possessions they pulled behind them in overstuffed cases. Summertime was over, and it was time for a new generation of students to take their place in the hallowed roll call of Oxford's great academic legacy. First, Cassandra Blackwell discovered, came matriculation. She'd arrived late, her flight delayed by freak storms over the East Coast, so by the time she'd collected her baggage from arrivals at Heathrow and made the two-hour ride up to Oxford by coach, the first official day of term at Oxford University was already well underway. She knew from reading the thick information packets what to expect, but still, it took her by surprise when she dragged her cases across the bumpy cobblestones 
and through the gates of Raleigh College to find a sea of students in strange black robes milling about the courtyard, shifting and spinning like newspaper twists in the English breeze. Cassie paused in the middle of the bustle, drinking in the foreign scene. The students were assembling on a set of bleachers for an official photograph. But unlike the casual, jeans-clad freshmen she knew from college back home, these new students wore crisp white shirts and suits under the robes. Girls in blouses and black skirts with dark ribbons looped at their necks and wide bands of black fabric trailing from their shoulders. It was an old-fashioned costume, the kind you'd expect to find immortalized in faded sepia photographs, yellowed with age. The only hint that this was the 21st century was the sea of cell phones students gripped as they lined up beneath the ancient, honeyed sandstone walls to pose for their first photos.